What's up, everybody? This is Elliot Terrell, and you're listening to Magical Thinking. Our guest for this episode is the wonderful Jeanette Andrews. This was actually my first time meeting Jeanette, as you'll hear in the episode, but when I was setting up interviews for my brief visit to Chicago, Jeanette came very highly recommended. She's a magician and artist who specializes in creating interactive sensory illusions through conjuring, and in the episode, she shares about her creative process, her inspirations and mentors, and the empathetic potential of sharing magical experiences. It's an absolutely lovely conversation, and I'm excited for you to get into it. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Magical Thinking Podcast. If you want to learn magic, cardistry, or a couple of quick bar bets, head over to artofmagic.com. Art of Magic is the premier destination for learning the fundamentals of sleight of hand technique, as well as some of the most advanced magical applications of dexterity in the world. While you're at it, you'll probably need a deck of cards or two, so head over to artofplay.com to get what you need. Art of Play also provides a curated collection of games, puzzles, and other amusements which offer epiphanies for the curious mind. I'm also very excited about Joshua Jay's new experiential magic show happening in New York City. Six Impossible Things is an immersive, intimate, interactive show that's held in an escape room venue. Thoughts will be read, taste buds will be altered, and minds will be expanded in specific environments created for each piece. The show is limited to 20 people per performance, and tickets are selling out very quickly for the limited June and July run. So head to 6impossiblethingsshow.com for more details and to snag your tickets before they're gone. Anyway, get into the episode, and if you have any magic-related questions or comments on the show, let me know what you think by emailing podcast at artofmagic.com or me at elliotterrell.com. Three T's in there in the center. It's a little tricky. Anyway, this is Jeanette Andrews. It was an absolutely delightful, lovely conversation, and I know you're going to love it. Enjoy. Okay. I don't know anything about you, which is very fun. Oh, and well then. For this show. Yeah. Um, but I've heard nothing but great things. Oh, good. Uh, I will start with, I watched, I went on your website and I watched okay. a clip of you doing um, The Impossible Garden. Okay. Um, that was amazing. Oh, thank you. I think that, that is a beautiful conceit. Will you tell us what that is and how you came about? Yeah. Um, yeah, that um, that was a piece that I did um, kind of last through last spring and summer um, that was that I initially did with uh, Mana Contemporary um, and their uh, fine arts um, kind of artist studio and gallery um, here. Um, Miami and in New York. They have galleries in all three places. And they um, had been talking with me for some time about wanting to do, they have kind of a small artist-like lecture and presentation series. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I knew that that was coming up and then also kind of on a parallel track, um, I had been um, looking at uh, I, I had a really amazing experience in that I was able to go to Chef's Garden in Milan, Ohio mm-hmm. um, in October of, uh, I guess it was about a year and a half ago. And um, that was just amazing. And so I got really, really taken with the idea of plants and seeds. And 
you know, especially as a magician, I think there's so much, a lot of my focus in my work is things that occur in the natural world and kind of different either um, physical processes or scientific processes and things like that and how um, magic can be used as a lens to either evaluate these things or observe them and in, in through a different a different view. Mm-hmm. So uh, so having having been able to go um, to Chef's Garden, which um, as a bit of background, um, is pretty widely regarded as one of the best, if not the best um, farm really in the world, perhaps. Um, they provide a lot of the produce for um, many of the Michelin-starred restaurants, um, certainly in America and all throughout the world. And so they are just operating on a different level that is so unbelievable and the amount of passion and care that goes into every minute plant and every seed was was contagious and so I'd already been researching a lot about plants and seeds anyway um, and had been performing finding your other half um, for a while um, and thought that I liked the the marriage of those ideas about doing something um, with kind of plants and seeds and, you know, the way that I was doing it um, that I think m- many people do as well, where you're tossing the discarded card pieces into the air and they flutter down, um, I thought was was an interesting visual. Um, and during this, this um, farm trip... Um, was introduced to seed paper, and um, which I had seen before, but I had a lot of more kind of lengthy conversations about it. And I went, oh my gosh, this would be a perfect vehicle for this effect. And so then, um, so then I spent um, probably about the next nine months um, or so um, figuring out all the ins and outs of how to perform that effect, but with seed paper um, that was definitely uh, logistically very interesting. Um, but, um, but yeah, and so, um, so the, the piece as it worked out for the, uh, the premiere with Mana Contemporary was um, part of kind of a triptych of installations that I did with them as well that culminated in the performance of that piece and several other pieces from my more parlor repertoire. Um, and then I also performed that work throughout um, eight community gardens um, in underserved areas in Chicago throughout the summer. Wow, amazing. Thank you. That's it was really cool. it was it was an amazing experience and I learned so much what felt like so fast even though it was over the span of about a year but it was it was a really amazing experience um oh, shit <laughs> I hate that we're crunched for time just because there's so many things in what you just said that I want to talk about but oh well go go um, for it. I I honestly have like four meetings and appointments like back to back to back to back today and then this just he was like, can you do this this morning? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, No, I appreciate it. Um, so let's, <laughs> well, let's talk about this was very striking to me and what you just said. Oh, thank you. You can, you were able to communicate what you do as a magician. Not many people can do that. Mm. Thank you. Yes. How long have you been doing what you are doing now 
as a magician? How long have you been doing oh. magic? And that can be like a number. And then how long have you been an artist? Okay. Um, yeah, because I was going to say, I was like, oh, which, which part of that? Um, so um, I am going to be 28 in a couple weeks. I've been doing magic since I was four. So, um, and I am outrageously fortunate to say that um, I've been doing magic professionally since I was six. And this has been my full-time job my entire life, um, like 24 hours a day. So, um, you know, I got very interested in the relationship between art and magic, um, starting when I was about 15 or 16. And I knew that was what I, I was always really interested in art. Um, I think probably into starting maybe when I was about 10 or 12. And then, just as I got very interested in reading a lot of um, kind of critical art theory and a lot of um, aesthetics, especially in in um, high school, I was really into philosophy and that was kind of my hobby. So a lot of what I was reading was was a lot of aesthetics. So um, I liked the marriage that I saw, or, or a potential marriage that I saw between um, this kind of world of deep aesthetics and, and magic. I thought it seemed like a good pairing or at least something that made sense in my mind. Um, and um, so I knew that was the right path for me personally. Um, but figuring out how to make that happen is an ongoing learning experience. I mean, you know, it's been something I've been pursuing for, um, you know, now over a decade. Um, but yeah, I mean, just trying to kind of pursue that path has been, you know, has been really interesting. Mm -hmm. What is it that you are trying to communicate to your audience if you are trying to communicate anything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so I, I feel so, so deeply fortunate to be part of magic. Um, because I think, you know, we are very lucky in that what we do is, I think exploring themes that are so valuable and so pertinent, um, you know, things um, which in a way is a cliche answer, but it's, um, but I really mean this, things like mystery, which is something that does not exist in our world, um, even in a way that it did 20 years ago. I mean, we can Google anything. Um, you Where's know. Tom Petty from? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, yeah, you probably know right now, um, you know, and and so I feel like, you know, given that we feel like we have access to anything and everything, which is so beautiful, and that's an incredible gift, um, you know, there that is also a double-edged sword. And so I think magic is a really interesting way to also explore the fact that we we don't know everything and we are still very aware of the fact that we don't know everything. And um, which I think is something that, you know, at least my experience with science is something that they are acutely aware of as well. Um, one of my dear friends, um, I'm delighted to say is is one of the world's leading particle physicists and also a brilliant magical thinker. And that's something that he speaks to a lot is saying, you know, in physics, we're very, um, you know, deeply curious. And this idea that, you know, as soon as you kind of gain an inch in understanding some, something, um, then 
we realize that that opens all these other doors of things that we don't understand yet. Um, and, and that idea of mystery and the unknown. Um, so I think that is something really beautiful, but that's not at the forefront of our society anymore. Um, so I think magic is really interesting in that way. Um, I, since I was 14, 15, have been just, just enamored with perception and the perceptual process. Um, and, you know, when I was really young and got interested in philosophy, I was very interested in phenomenology and, um, you know, love the idea of, you know, how, how we understand phenomena that unfolds around us and our experiences of that and how we interact with that, um, and, and causality there and things like that. So, um, you know, our daily experience is so unbelievably incredible, but we are not consciously aware of all of the infinite number of things that are unfolding around us at any given time because it's impossible. Um, You know, our brains can't handle that. Um, You know, which, of course, is how magic works and we take all these shortcuts. But, you know, the simplest thing that, like, you know, I mean, I won't even get into talking about, you know, the the fact that this microphone is recording me and the amazing technology that exists there. Um, But, you know, the simplest thing that my, you know, my hand can pick up this coffee cup that's sitting on this table and and bring it towards me um, and that I feel that the coffee inside is hot you know I mean there there are so many things that just happen in this you know split second interaction that I had with this object that I'm not consciously aware of but that if we articulate them are I mean that's amazing like that's really amazing um you know that I have the ability and my brain has the ability and my skin has the ability to feel this item as hot and, and understand and recognize the shape of it and, and, um, and the weight of it and all of these things. I mean, that's a really deeply interesting interaction and process that we don't think about. And, and magic points to some of these things. Um, and so that's what I personally am really interested in exploring is a lot of the seemingly very simple, um, moments that unfold around us or uh, seemingly simple kind of scientific processes or things like that um, and and just how genuinely amazing they are and so I feel like that's a, a again just a really good pairing with, with magic that has kind of mystery and amazement um, and wonder at its core um, which I think lies at the heart of so many things in our world Absolutely What What's the difference between how you approach an installation piece, and your strolling magic. Oh, wow. No one has ever asked me this before. Um, Time is a big part of it, honestly. Um, You know, of course, it's like, you know, if you're doing strolling performance and, you um, you know, there's this idea in, you know, performance and performance art and things that duration is a big part of that. Um... And, you know, so it's like, of course, if I'm, if I'm doing strolling at a cocktail party. Well, and I understand I, the difference in oh, structure. Oh, no, no, no. Right. No, yeah. no, no. I was going to talk more about process. Okay. Um, but I was going to say, you know, if I know that I only have one minute mm-hmm. to interact with you versus if I know I have 60 minutes or something like that, that's going to make me um, frame things in a different way, of course. Um, and you know, knowing too that 
you know, going, okay, if I have, you know, enough time to develop an idea, then I can write something um, that can take a, a narrative arc a different way or something. Um, and also the, just the idea of like, for example, to use the, um, impossible gardens piece as a, as a reference point, you know, with that, you know, I had been talking to them for several months, mm -hmm. you know, and saying, okay, well here, what is the, you know, what is the access to the building like? And can I blah, blah, blah. And can we bring chairs into this space? And can we, you know, can I change this in this room? And, sure. you know, and so, um, so that was just from my end, you know, a very, very time intensive process of months of, of mm -hmm. doing that as opposed to, you know, for me, you know, looking at more of a strolling piece where it's like, okay, you know, I've got certain pieces in my repertoire that I know are going to fit with a certain audience or something. Mm -hmm. um, That's just a little different in terms of how I might approach the, the construction of sure. something. And then artistically, what's the, I guess, uh, maybe the question is too broad. How do you approach creating an artistic piece okay. of magic for someone that you only have 60 seconds with. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, that's still something I'm trying to figure out. I think we all are. <laughs> um, you know, um, because it's, it's, it's hard, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, there's so much, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, and that's something you know, I've been working on and trying to figure out. Yeah. Um, because I do feel like that's a big part of it is like how, you know, how do you create the right context for something when you only have such a short amount of time? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's hard. Yeah, it's definitely contextually based. Um, I personally struggle with deciding if something impossible happening is enough mm -hmm. because you know you can be fooled by accident throughout your day oh yeah you know? <laughs> and as fun as that is it's not necessarily transformative or touching yeah. moving and inspiring in right. some way and yeah. so i love seeing magicians that only do really mind-blowing stuff but at the same time i'm like it's kind of a little shallow because I feel personally that after a certain point of watching magic, and I, it just may be that I'm jaded, <laughs> but after a certain point of watching things be impossible, I, co I get it. You can do the impossible, and now I'm bored. Mm. Um, maybe my tolerance for that is very low just because of my background in magic. But sure. I, you know, I, I want something that is moving or that speaks to something about human nature or about whatever, you know? So, um, well, and, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a, a, a great point and a really interesting conversation that I feel like is, I, I've actually heard people talk about in the last like week or two is that idea of, you know, especially as it relates to the lay public of like what, you know, there are a lot of things that, that, laity see that they're like oh my god this is amazing and this was this incredible piece of magic but then magicians are kind of like Meh, that was fine yep. you know um because we are jaded and we are mm -hmm. looking for more um which i think exists in 
so many things, you know. Um, and but yeah, um, and, and so I think that is it is hard, um, and, and it's a and it's an interesting conversation. But I think it's something that people know. You know, it's one of those things I think they know when they see it. Like, I was hearing a lot of this conversation kind of framed around music, where it's like, okay, you know, you can have kind of mass appealing music that everybody likes, and people are like, yeah, that song's really fun. Yeah. Um, you know, is it something that is, like, deeply personally moving? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Is a great song when you're, you know, shopping sure. at the Apple store or something? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think, it, but but everything has a context and everything mm -hmm. has its place and we we need that spectrum of things to contextualize each other. Yeah. Um, you know, so so it all, it, it all works. I think, yes, I agree. I think that we have certainly the context within magic to contextualize each other. I'm not sure that the public has the context. Mm -hmm. Right, I agree. I agree. Which is tough. Um, and that's, you know, that's what's great about this place. <laughs> We're at the lounge, everybody listening. I'm excited <laughs> for this to be a thing. Um, how'd you get into magic? Oh, okay. Um, I saw Siegfried and Roy TV special when I was four. Dope. I was four when I saw them at the Mirage. No way. Yeah. Oh, my God. Very cool. Wow. Yeah. So you are crazy lucky how did that happen my grandmother was like we're going to las vegas and wow <laughs> yeah. i don't remember anything except like yeah. random shit appearing over the audience and the yeah. costumes being very sparkly yes yes so, yes it was awesome anyway go ahead Sorry. yeah no that's so cool um no i i only got to see it on tv <laughs> um and I, yeah, that, I did kind of one up you. I'm sorry about that. Oh, that was not my intention. Oh no, 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 no! I'm just jealous. No, that's so cool. I've never heard anybody say that. So that's why I'm like, whoa! Tell me more. That's it was, amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, no, yeah. most. I feel like most of the people. That's why I'm really interested. Was most people who I feel like saw them live mm -hmm. were adults and especially older adults because the ticket prices were so high. Yeah. And so um, so a lot of times when I have conversations with people about it and they're like, oh, I saw Siegfried and Roy, you know, it, it is people who are, you know, at least kind of in my parents' generation, sure. sometimes more like grandparents. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm like, wow, how'd that happen? That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, so Vegas I, is a magical place for children. Oh, There's well, pirate ships and magic shows. Well, and that's what they were, you know, it was so interesting because in that time frame in the 90s, that's when they were like trying to do that kind of a Disneyland-esque rebrand yeah. for like two years. Um, and uh, and so luckily that's that's when I got into magic and so it all worked out. Mm -hmm. um, and so I saw the Secret Nori TV special was like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I did my first magic performance for my preschool class later that year. And then... Um, uh, my my parents who are amazing, they're the greatest people in the universe. Um, sorry, everyone else in the universe, um, but they um, had the um, I, I, I don't know um, to photograph and videotape the whole thing, um, and they. Um, and, and so at that time, I was like, I just want, there's only two things I want out of this life, yeah. which is to be a magician and to meet Siegfried and Roy. Like, that's all I care about. <laughs> and um, so I was like, okay, well, I've four-year-old me has done this show for my preschool class, so I'm well on my way to this magician thing. Yeah. Um, but I was like, all right, let's figure out the Siegfried and Roy piece of this. So, um, so 
we decided to write them a letter. Um, and so my parents kind of like taught me how to like crudely scratch out a sentence for the purpose of of writing them. Yeah. And um, and then they also included um, the photos that they had taken, and my parents wrote them like a real letter. Oh my god, you're um, making me remember so many things about my own childhood oh I please continue oh no no um and that that is one of the things I think is so great about Mantic is there is you know of course like people talk about the sense of community and that a lot of us share a lot of common ground on Mm -hmm. so many of these memories and things that are really um really special Mm -hmm. um but um but yeah so we we wrote them this letter and included photographs from my like little preschool show and um and they wrote us back and said, next time you're in Las Vegas, you can be guests at our show and stuff. So so you, you have me beat, but I got to see them when I was five um, for Amazing. the first time. But yeah, so it was it was really fortuitous because um, that's that was in that stretch where mm-hmm. then it was like, oh, we're trying to make Vegas the place for families. <laughs> and um, and so my parents were like, fine mm-hmm. with taking, you know, a five-year-old out to Las Vegas. And, and you know, and, and we got to go and see that and see. Lance Burton and and all the amazing people that were out there doing all these shows at the time yeah. it was so amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, I um I did a similar thing, not with a magician though. I <laughs> I was obsessed with David Letterman as a kid. Oh wow! And so my dad for my fourth birthday actually built me a stage, <gasps> and, and I wore a double-breasted suit every day. Oh my god, that's kid. amazing! And so like similar thing. Uh, my grandmother <laughs> took pictures and sent them off to David Letterman. I got a signed wow. headshot. <laughs> <gasps> That's so, so cool. It was awesome. And it was back when he had the perm. Yeah, yeah. Like, great. Oh, yeah. I hope you have this, like, framed somewhere now. I know. I need to get it. Like, I don't hanging. know where it is, actually. So I need to. It's probably. It's back in Louisiana somewhere. I just have to find it. You should but, have it like framed next to your front well, door. Well, that's what I'm saying is I forgot about it until just now when you were talking about. Oh, hey. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. It'll yeah. be overnighted to you <laughs> at, at some point, so I you need can this immediately. Prominently display it. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so then uh, you start doing shows. Yes. You're professional at age six. What does that mean? So I got so for me. Um, that was the first time I got paid to do a sure. show, which was um, ten dollars for a local park district, um, which of course was just mind-boggling mm-hmm. um, at the time. Yeah, and um, you know, and and really amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'm so lucky that my parents are both very entrepreneurial. My mom's a freelance graphic designer, um, and my dad's background is in kinesiology and fitness. And so we, um, and both of them, um, you know, are, are, you know, either are, are freelance or have done a lot of freelance work. And so um, we're really big into, you know, kind of instilling a lot of those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I was like, oh, my God, Mom, I have this, like, $10. And um, and so she um, – and at the time, there was a magic shop um, about 25 minutes from where I live, maybe a half an hour. And, um, and, of course, you know, there was a million things I wanted and a million books I wanted. And I was like, oh, there's this book I want that's $30 from this magic shop. And so she was like, okay, cool, like – I will drive you to the magic shop. I will. I will read you the book. We will help you make the stuff in the book. You know, we it just we'll 
figure out how to get you booked for like if you can figure out how to get booked for two more shows mm-hmm. you'll have your thirty dollars and uh, so it was like okay cool yeah um, so it was a really you know interesting thing I think um, just in terms also of you know just life um, yeah. to kind of learn I hear about it too. yeah learn a lot of about finances um, really young yeah. And so how has that translated? Oh, oh, sorry. I was talking over you. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, um, you know, again, you know, I think it's just been been different. You know, I feel like um, I'm not going to turn this into a financial podcast. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's something that I feel like people are very opinionated about. Um, but I know at least for me, you know, I, especially as a young woman, you know, the, and for many other young women, um, you know, financial independence is of paramount importance to me. Um, so, you know, having, having the ability to do that, having, you know, my, and having my parents, um, you know, from a young age, be like, okay, here's, you know, here's something that is really important. It's important to understand, um, you know, the value of money, the value of, you know, these different things. And again, they were not bankrolling these things for me, but I mean, my dad, um, you know, when God, my brother and I were like very young, um, I don't know. I think I was probably like eight or ten or something. There was a, I think Robert Kiyosaki put it out. Um, there was a board game for children to teach children about finances wow. and about yeah, um, and about like investing and stuff. And it yeah. was really interesting. So, um, so we would like sit on like Friday nights and play this like financial literacy board game, <laughs> um, which of course now I'm you know is is. I'm really grateful for, um, you know. And I would have cheated. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just learned a lot. Um, this is how not to do your taxes. Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, we're almost at that time. Well, we are at that time. Um, but, yeah, so I think it's something that's really interesting. And, you know, especially with, you know, with magic where really all, all of us kind of are freelancers. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and kind of looking at, okay, well, how do you – mitigate having a volatile lifestyle and how do you, um, you know, do things like planning for retirement really early when, you know, you don't have an employer, you know, providing a 401k um, and and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Because most magicians are broke (laughs) their whole (laughs) lives. Um, Well, and that's not to say it's it's not uh, that, you know, I'm not sitting here rolling in tow, but, you know, to me it's like I – as somebody where I am a massive planner, like every moment of my life, I like to have very well planned. So I take a lot of comfort in going, okay, I know that, you know, I am... X, Y, and Z are financially stable. Well, yeah, or that like, okay, you know, I got an IRA set up at, you know, age 24 or whatever, like that to me, you know, uh, because again, you know, there, there are a lot of, you know, things that people in nine to fives are very fortunate to have that, that we a lot of times don't. So, um, so I felt really lucky in kind of having had a background of saying, okay, of my parents, you know, being like, you know, it is important to learn these things and to, to have, 
um, you know, knowledge and, and, and literacy in these ideas um, that I still went out and did myself. I mean, again, it, it was not my parents being like, oh, we think you should go talk to a financial advisor. Yeah. But it was things that for me, I was like, you know, this is really important to me. So I am going to go talk to a financial advisor mm-hmm. um, and and see what the best timing is for me to do, you know, to do this and how much I would need to be contributing to an IRA um, and things like that. Um, you know, that that to me is, um, you know, again, it's just it's just different ways and, and different lifestyles of living. Um, yeah. And as somebody where I am very, very particular about things, that gives me comfort. Sure. Um, but f- I have best friends who are the total opposite. And, and that's what works for them. And that's yeah. great. So what what are what's a because you are. Type A, if you don't mind. Oh, hey, no, it's all it's all good. It can be derogatory sometimes. Some people no, don't like it. No, no, it's no. <laughs> you own it, right? A no, badge of honor. No, I own that and a lot more. So, <laughs> um, what? How do you? What are your goals for yeah. magic? I mean, what is it that you yeah. want to accomplish? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I think because I've had this lifelong interest in kind of the parallels between magic and art. Um, and, and especially since, um, being young and, and, um, when I was 13, maybe 12, 13, um, was the first time I took a trip, um, to the American Museum of Magic in Marshall, Michigan. And, um, I have a point. It's all coming around. Um, but the, uh, So I went there for the first time, and that was, you know, despite having already been in magic for whatever, eight years at that point, I think, like, a lot of kids, like, history seems kind of dry or something to you. And then going there, and I was like, wow, like, this is amazing. Um, And seeing all this stuff, and I just got a lot more interested in the history of magic, which, of course, is so spectacular. And and so looking at, at those things and... And the more that I just started to learn about it on my own and going, wow, you know, magic used to be this very prestigious thing that had this really important place in society like 150 years ago. And um, and looking at, at that um, and going, oh, my God, you know, I'm really lucky to be part of something that's so interesting and so beautiful and, and used to be held with such esteem and, and now is not um, as, as much. And um, no, You don't have to qualify. Uh, yeah, Come well, on. hey, no. Let's we be got, honest. We, Max Maven is performing here tomorrow, and it's my, my favorite quote of his, um, and, and uh, I'm going to try to get it right, um, but as the uh, magicians of the 20th century have accomplished a great feat, they've taken something truly profound and rendered it trivial. Yeah. Um, and and when I heard him say that for the first time, I was like, oh, that's it. Like, he articulated what I've felt. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's a big part of kind of my um, – my my project really um, is essentially trying to say, okay, how um, you know for me, you know, how do we take something that that was so well respected, and I think that we all, you know, love so deeply, and that on the back end, you know, we can look at this thing and go, oh my god, there is so much that goes into all of what we do, um, from the technique, from the psychology, from the theater, from, you know, the myriad of things, um, you know, that we are all 
you know, pouring our heart and soul into and, and researching and practicing and all of these things that, of course, no one can ever know about. So, but, but to see the richness of that um, and I think is, is you know, um, trying to figure out, you know, okay, how do we take this incredible thing and kind of bring it back to some sort of prominence where, you know, it's not trivialized. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, how it's happened to work out and what I've been dedicating my life to is um, it's work to do that within an arts context um, and, and like literally framing it in that way. Um, By the way, I just want to say, it seems so obvious, not, and please let me finish. No. It seems so obvious. Nobody's doing that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, um, and again, it's, it's just something that I, it, it works for me. It's yeah. worked really well for me. Um, and, you know, but, but honestly, I mean, it's, it's it's a challenge. I mean, and and it's because of that. I mean, it's because of exactly what Max says. It is, you everyone know, I everyone has a preconceived notion. Of everybody what a has a preconceived is. notion. Everybody has a stereotype, um, and you know, it is. I feel like about God. Sometimes I feel like ninety percent of what I do <laughs> is just educating people on what I do. Amazing. Um, and you know, because it is, you know, a hard sell, you know, um, where, you know, for me, where you're going and you're talking to these curators and you're talking to people and and you're going, okay, you know, here is, um, you know, this is what I do. And it is, it is something that yes, like, you know, people have some sort of cultural contextual understanding of magic. Um, and, but here's what I'm doing. Um, and, and having to, to just try to, try to make people understand how do you do that what does that conversation usually look like um another thing i'm still trying to figure out honestly um a couple of ways you know one of which is um trying to figure out how to language what you're doing um you know which again i've taken a lot of cue from the art world itself you know that's something that is um, in a way, rather controversial um, because there's been so much that's gone on um, really within about the last 40 to 50 years of, um, you know, it's, I'm like, God, it's so divisive. But um, where, you know, art students are learning so much about how to speak about what they do um, and how to write about what they do. And you read these things of, like, people are incredible writers. Yeah. And then sometimes people are frustrated because they're like, oh, my God, people wrote this amazing, you know, artist statement, and then the work is meh. Yeah. But, but the writing is amazing. Like, you yeah. should be a writer. Um, and so, but there's there's a lot of at least, there there's at least a bit there on how to kind of, learn how to speak about what you do. So so I've tried to learn from that example mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um, so part of it is that. And part of it, honestly, has just been me, like, constantly um, trying to churn out a body of work um, that can hopefully speak for itself. Yeah. Um, and what does it say? Um, 
Oof, this is a good interview, man. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it says um, it, that I'm just trying to create um, really evocative, um, thought-provoking uh, performance pieces that are grounded in performance magic um, that that will really hopefully change the context around what we think about magic and how we think about the perceptual process. Um, but yeah, so a lot of times it's going to people and, and either having to, you know, show images and video of your work, um, and, and saying, here are the projects I've done, here are the clients I've worked with, here are the, the places I've worked with. Um, and, and here's what I'm about. Here's what I do. Um, and, and trying to explain that in a way that hopefully reads and makes sense. Yeah. What's Threshold about? Threshold is a, um, it's a series of um, both performance and interactive illusions um, for each of the five senses that unfold in five different spaces throughout a venue um, or throughout a city. So, um, so an audience will move throughout five different spaces or locations um, and then perform uh, with with me kind of in short, um, almost vignette-type format, um, different uh, pieces of magic tied in with each one of the senses. I have someone you should talk to. Okay. About this project. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. We will we'll talk. This is great. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I, I spoke with Simon last night. Simon Aronson? Yes. Oh, I love Simon. And he was like, you should ask her about Threshold. Oh, I, Simon Aronson. I'm like, where do I even start? Um, Simon and Ginny are two of my absolute favorite people ever. Um, I, oh my God. Um, yeah, they, um, in terms of watching magic still to this day, they are, you know, talk, talk about being jaded, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, I feel so lucky sitting here right now because Max is performing at the Chicago Magic Lounge uh, this week. Um, and so he's one of my favorite people to watch. So is Arthur Trace, who also happens to be here, who was massively influential on my personal thought and, and practice growing up. Um, and uh, and Simon and Jenny Aronson, who are also not performing here this week but are in Chicago. And, uh, God, Simon and Jenny, I could watch, like, all day, every day, to to this day, they are still one of my favorite people um, all the time. Yeah. You know, I, I've known them since I was about 16, and they, you know, both have this law background, but, but Simon, Simon's background especially is in philosophy, mm -hmm. so we kind of... I, I think click on that level yeah. um, and they also are really avid art collectors yep. and so we we all three of us have such a passion for the art world um, and, and for philosophy. And even though our some of our magic styles are a little different, I mean, my God, they are so inspiring and so um, just so in influential and, and the wealth of knowledge that they have is unbelievable. Believable and just wa yeah, I mean, watching them do their two person mentalism act. I mean, it's just they did it a is a little bit for us last oh, night, and it, I, it broke me. Oh, I know it's it's not cool. It's <laughs> it's like, I mean, honestly, when when people ask me and they're like, you know, do you what is like your favorite magic to watch, or what is something you could just watch kind of endlessly? I'm like, oh, it's them, like, I. 
I am, I never cease to be in awe. I mean, I've watched them do that act for 10 years and I just, every time, every time I'm just enamored. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was totally blown away. Oh yeah. <laughs> we both were. Mm-hmm. What are, what are some of your creative influences? Do you, do you have artists? Do you have other magicians? I mean, you mentioned yeah. Arthur and Max. And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Within magic. Um, yeah. Arthur Trace, um, who's a dear friend um, and, and was so gracious um, in, you know, uh, when I, um, hopefully he won't be mad that I said this, but, um, it was, I met him when I was about 12. Um, and he had just graduated from college and, um, it was one of the first people to talk to me about, you know, that, oh, like magic is, is so deep and multifaceted and you can kind of, use this to say other things. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, you know, my mind exploded. And, um, and throughout my life, he's been a great resource and a, and, and wonderful friend and, and brainstorming, um, you know, partner and, and things. Um, uh, so yeah, he, Max, Simon and Jenny, um, Ben Barnes, um, who in my opinion is, one of the finest close-up magicians in the world. I mean, he's um, just amazing and is, I, I consider him family, um, but is a really inspiring performer to watch. Um, and um, so that's kind of within magic. Outside of magic, um, you know, I, I love, I mean, a lot of my personal influences come from um you know, performance art, installation art, immersive theater, things like that. Um, and, 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 and music sometimes, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm a big Bjork fan, um, you know, and, you know, other artists, like I love, um, Olafur Eliasson, James Terrell, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of people in that vein. Um, and, you know, some of the kind of light and space artists of the sixties and, and, um, you know, there's, there's such a wide spectrum of people doing such incredible work, um, that, you know, it's, it's even hard to narrow it down, but there are a lot of people, um, you know, I mean, for me, you know, in terms of actual, like genuine creative inspiration, um, you know, I find most of that out, honestly, outside of magic. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, people that find creative inspiration inside of magic are bad magicians. So. Ah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, um, I mean, you know, looking at so much, um, you know, I mean, there, there's so many people doing such interesting things. I mean, you know, if you look at people in in music and you know, in in all of these fields that are just, you know, people trying to do really different things. Um, uh, I'm friends with Mason Bates, who's the composer in residence for the Kennedy Center. And I mean, you know, he's had a, um, also an interesting kind of track in terms of trying to take classical music and new music and, and make that more accessible, you Mm -hmm. know, to a wider audience and, and, you know, people like that where you're like, wow, you're really doing these things that are, that are really interesting. Um, and, and trying to frame things and recontextualize things and, and make things either accessible or people are trying to make things very inaccessible or different, you know, so that I find really interesting. 
Yeah, I do. I I should clarify my previous statement. People that only find creative inspiration <laughs> in magic are bad magicians. Because I just I can hear people listening. Yeah, like, you're like, well, I'm, here's I like this man. Here, okay, yeah, you can see the tweets rolling in. I know. Yeah. I usually am very okay about flippantly saying things, but that one I think I probably <laughs> should. Well, clean no, up a little no, bit. I think it's the, um, you know, because yeah, I mean there and there are so many great. Yeah. There are great magicians doing stuff that are that is really yes, of interesting, course. of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and stuff that that is genuinely really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, aside from just technique things, course, but yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So I think th- that's why I try to have a balance um, of looking looking inside and looking outside. Yeah. Yeah. I I just recently. I mean, the whole steal like an artist thing is <laughs> hack at this point. But um, I saw an interesting spin on it, which mm. was that if you if you steal from one person, you're a cheap imitation. If you steal mm. from a lot of people, then you're an artist. Hmm. Which is, I think that's kind of the point that is left out of the beautiful and lovely phrase, steal like an artist. It's that, you know, a lot of people that I have come into contact with who happen to be magicians are not... (laughs) (laughs) I I like that. Who happen to be magicians. Who happen to be magicians are not getting a wide breadth of creative indulgence. Mm. And that they are just purely magic nerds. Mm. Which, as fun as that can be as a hobby, of course, if you are going to go out and perform... I feel that you should be aware of and careful about the impression on magic that you are leaving. What are your um, thoughts and feelings on yeah, that? Yeah, so, no, I think it's a great topic, and I think um, about people having a wider swath of influences than than just magic. Um, you know, it's, it's always a challenge, um, and I think it is something that is like a concerted effort. Um, and, you know, for me, I, I am somebody, I think with, as I've discovered the older I've gotten, a very short attention span and somebody who's just for better or worse, outrageously curious. Um, and you know, there's a really, um, there's a really interesting movement, um, that I honestly haven't looked into in the last like year or two so I'm not as familiar with what's going on with it now but it was like the unschooling movement and um which essentially was kind of what happened with my life um so when I was in high school um I knew that a traditional like four-year uh college education was not for me um I had a lot of friends in academia um and so I, I, I love, I love academia in, um, in that I love like very deep, uh, pointed thought. And I love, um, that kind of that type of rhetoric. And I love that, that process. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw a lot of the bureaucracy and the red tape and all of these things that, that surrounded this very kind of pure type of learning but that was filtered through these you know unfortunate bureaucratic ways so um 
And, and also, you know, at the time, my high school experience, as was most people's, was, like, totally miserable. And, um, and I was like, you know, um, I think my high school experience was, like, best summed up as, you know, being like, okay, I got to get out of here because I got to go fax a contract to somebody. So can I leave now? And I was just so, like, deeply frustrated yeah. and um, and was always, like, the girl in the corner by myself with some, like, giant philosophy anthology and just yeah. being like, I got to go. So, um, but at the same time, I also was like, well, I know I'm – going to be a magician and you know there's there's not a formalized system for education for this so what I'll do instead is kind of construct my own um kind of college level education in that four-year time to do that yeah that most people would and um it helps and, that you are type a yes <laughs> yes well and that's part of it too is like yes I am um I, I try to be extremely organized yeah. and, um, and, and things, but, um, you know, the, uh, so going into it, I went, okay, here, here's what I want to do. Um, I'm going to try to kind of construct my own college education, which for me should hopefully be a lot more cost efficient and a lot more time efficient. Yeah. Um, and very pointed on what I'm interested in. So at the time I, Though I had, like, honestly zero intention of going to college at all, um, I ended up getting a scholarship to get an associate's degree. So I did that. Um, I took, like, it was something crazy, like five years to get an associate's degree. Um, uh, I did an independent study centered around magic um, that was based around phenomenological philosophy and, and its relationship to magic because um, I had a great philosophy professor who was really open to hearing me wax on about that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did that. And then, um, but at the same time, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go and try to learn about all these other things that are sort of related to magic in some way, like theater and like psychology and, and stuff. And so I was like, well, you know, kind of in lieu of taking a, a um, college theater class, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll go and I'll take a class from, you know, act one in Chicago, or I'll go and I'll take a trip to New York to see shows in New York. And, you know, maybe cost the same, mm -hmm. um, you know, as a three credit hour course or something, but, um, but I know I've got X, Y, Z shows I really want to see, and I'm going to learn from these, you know, Broadway actors or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so there's pros and cons to that. I mean, I had, I, I had one friend in particular who, um, who I, who's still one of my dear friends to this day, who was like, you know, the, in a way that's not the best idea because in college, one of the, the, one of the things that's the beauty of that is there are people exposing you to things that you are not saying, I want to learn about X. So yeah. let me go and find X. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't do that and I didn't have that as much. Um, and so I, I, I will never know what that will be like. Um, yeah. but I, I, interestingly, I'm trying now to be a bit more like that. Um, in terms of 
uh, really just within the last year um, of, you know, having friends in outside fields and in music and dance and art and all these other things of people saying, hey, um, we're going to go see the show about whatever. Yeah. Here's a ticket. And I'm like, great. This is not something I ever would have picked to see. Yeah. But I learned a heck of a lot from it. Yeah. So now I'm just trying to be uh to to loosen my control on on things and oh, i know okay. it's hard it's yeah. so hard um that is the concerted effort now uh-huh. but i mean you know i saw a really wonderful um uh, uh exhibition on um just last week um from an artist from syria who i i'm so embarrassed i cannot recall his name but it was this really lovely series of of uh, drawings and, and portraits um, that I had heard about, but it wasn't, I would not have, um, it, it wasn't majorly on my radi- radar in terms of like a time commitment. Mm-hmm. So I went and, you know, but I had a friend who was like, oh, I've really been wanting to see this, you know, come with me. And I was like, okay, great. Um, and so I, you know, I went and, and we had a really great discussion about, you know, why this was so successful. And I think that's something that I have tried so hard to be very aware of in the last probably three years in particular is really every show I see, every, um, you know, no matter what it is, um, even, you know, podcasts I listen to, everything. I'm like, why was this either good or what bad? Like, what, well, yeah, like, what, you know, is there, um, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, or, or things that you see that are bad. You're like, what was it that made this not work for me? Or, you know, yeah. but there was some little moment in it that was interesting. And why? Yeah. Um, and so. This could have been great. It could right? have been great yeah. if. You know, this had been a little different. Yeah. So I've been trying to be really aware, uh, really with every kind of exterior experience that I have. And of course, with magic, I think we're all just instantly wired into like, oh, well, I saw this person palm this thing or whatever. Sure. Um, but uh, but within the outside world of like, okay, well, what, what was it that made this compelling? Yeah. So... Um, you know, so that's what I've been trying to really pay attention to. Like last night I was outrageously fortunate in that I got to see the um, opening night gala for um, the American Ballet Theater here in Chicago. They were on tour in Chicago. So I got to see Misty Copeland, um, you know, and, and you watch these people who are the most outstanding athletes, yeah. um, you know, and, and artists to, to boot. And, you know, you look at all these things and the, the costumes and the set design and the lighting and the pacing and all of these things and, and just look at all of it and go, okay, well, this, this lighting design was really interesting. Why? You know, and how did that contribute to these certain moments in yeah. the performance? And, you know, so what just, are all of the choices that were made? Exactly. And you can and they are so conscious and, you know, very, very conscious. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, and I think as magicians, that's something that we all can learn from because I think, that of course, there's so much within the field of magic that is everything is so conscious and oh, yeah. so thought out. Um, but then there's all the little things where it's like, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe there's some gesture, some body position that within the actual technique of magic, 
you know, is has to be within a certain myriad of positions. But, um, but you know, looking at at something, you know, like yeah. like some movement or like you know, watching a a play or something where you know they're really interested in the blocking of things and yeah. and what can we learn from that? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, talking about conscious choices, you know, when you read a description of a magic effect. Mm. Or uh, even the methodology. Yeah. Those are sentences, and you're not getting what's between the sentences. Right. And therefore, many people do not consider what's between the sentences. Do the thing. Do the thing. Look at the people. You know, <laughs> do the thing. Do the thing. Look at the people. I, I'm going to, I, I don't know, but I'm going to steal that. Do the thing. Do the thing. Look at the people. <laughs> <laughs> do the thing. Do the, do the thing. <laughs> and so, you know. They, I, I actually wrote about this in Helder's Magazine mm. quarterly, uh, quarterly, was about picturing the frame mm-hmm. and acting as your own director. Right, What's the yeah. Frame? When I'm looking, you know, if I do a spread of cards, mm-hmm. after the cards are spread, my pinky doesn't need to be on the inside of the spread anymore. Mm. I should pull it underneath. Just aesthetically, it's more pleasing. Yeah. And it's like those little things, while, yes, sure, unnecessary for the impossibility of an effect if you can elevate it why not yeah by making conscious decisions you could tell a story to a camera or you could make a film mm. you know mm-hmm. I, like that's a great point i the the conscious decisions are where the artistic beauty lies mm-hmm. and I think there's not enough artistic beauty in magic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, um, that's that's something that I feel like I've really tried to learn from, um, especially in terms of, like, physical p- positions as it relates to technique mm-hmm. and or not, Um was something that I've reflected a lot on in the last year um, as it relates to, you know, we all learn things as they unfold in time. But, um, you know, I, like so many people, and especially so many people in Chicago, um, you know, was just so lucky to have spent a lot of time with Eugene. And, um, you know, of course, you know, over the last several months have been reflecting really on a daily basis about so many things that he shared with us of this really deep wisdom that, um, and even things that he had shared with me when I was, you know, young, you know, when you go, okay, you know, somebody tells you something when you're 17 and you're like, okay, yeah. And then, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And then, (laughs) and then just now you're going, okay, now I, I, I get what you were pointing at, you yeah. know, and, and it took me 10 years to figure out, you know, but there was so much, you know, that, that he talked about on that, that I find really interesting about, um, your own physical movement and, mm-hmm. and which is something that is talked about by so many people in magic, um, and, you know, uh, about this idea of being natural. Um, but it's something I feel like I'm just, there were air quotes. 
guys. Oh yes, yes, being being natural, um, and uh, of uh, uh, yeah, I, I need to add that into any anything I do. I I want to add that in writing when I email people. I'll be like, by the way, as I was typing this, I was doing air quotes. Um, but you could just put quotes. I could, yes, no, but the, it's it doesn't. It is funnier quotes. if it is actually typed out. Yeah. I just made air quotes. Um, but no, there's so many people I think that are um, that are really interested in this topic, and I think there was just something about the way that Eugene talked about it that just totally resonated with me and just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Where um, about being so acutely aware first of how you personally move, yeah, um, and just taking stock of that all the time, as um, you know. All of us have all these like very particular gestures and mannerisms and stuff um, to varying levels of uniqueness or strangeness. Um, like, you know, I think some of mine maybe happen to be more exaggerated or strange than other people's. I don't know. Um, but I, I will never forget um, seeing him lecture and how he would put, he, how he knew, um, and I, I can't dis- display this over a podcast, but he would stand with his hands on his hips. But instead of like, if you were to stand on your, with your hands on your hips, most people would, would place their hands with their fingers, um, touching the front of their body and their thumbs touching the back. Mm-hmm. But he instead would actually like place in, People, all you guys have watched Eugene's videos know exactly what I'm talking about, where he would, like, bend his his wrists back and have his wrists touch his body and the rest of his hand kind of flat. And that was just how he stood all the time, just naturally. And then he realized, like, oh, this is how I just stand all the time. And I remember hearing him talk about that, and I was like, oh, my God, that's so true. And... um. And I think that's something that just especially within the last year or two, I've started to try to just even really become more aware of with myself where Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, how, you know, how often do I shift my weight from foot to foot as I'm talking to people and can just just very simple things or or how do I how do I stand? How do I, you know, am I is my weight more forward on my feet or more back or am I leaning this way or that way or you know just all these things where it's like okay well yeah the way that I just naturally gesture and talk to people I'm gonna I'm gonna lean in and say this and then you know just do that because that's how I that's how I talk Mm -hmm. but it's like oh well that's also the perfect movement to cover a top change yeah you know or whatever you know so i think um you know that's something but looking at um kind of those like talking about conscious choices um you know i think that is something that ties in with a lot of other fields like theater and dance and all these other things where where people are so acutely aware of their physical movements um that i think we can learn a lot from absolutely and um when I hear be natural, I choose to define that as being effortlessly elegant. Mm. Um, because, or effortlessly efficient mm-hmm. is maybe a better way, which to me is elegance. Um, when you are acutely aware of how you move throughout the world, mm-hmm. every little bit of chicanery... <laughs> <laughs> will then mold and fit into that. Yeah. 
And so, and that's one of the reasons that you have to perform is that, you know, you, you can't be aware of what you're doing around other people unless you're doing it around other people. So I, I was working on a, a coin routine recently and I was stuck in a position mm. um, that was slightly unnatural. And I was like, yeah, but I can't get out of this position because there's no reason to do a thing that I have to do. Mm -hmm. And I was just working the routine out in my own home. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm actually going to try and do this for a person in front of me. Yeah. Pretend. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's so obvious how to get out of this position. I right. just put my hand in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, normally you wouldn't you wouldn't think of that because you're like yeah, I have to maintain this thing it's like yeah. no I'm yeah if I'm just this is a casual thing right if I'm just talking to you yeah and I'm just, in a very clean position apparently right now right so I can be very casual about it yeah and that's when the secret move happens and you know that's even even when you are aware of what you do and how you move you have to you have to be in the practice of it to be conscious of it yeah um, or at least I find that for myself is that I, <laughs> I'm blind to everything that isn't happening. <laughs> no, I think, I think we are. I think that's yeah. so easy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's a quote. I have misattributed this quote many times on this show because I have heard it attributed by the person who came up with it to several different people. Oh, but then we both, or at least I found out from him it was him <laughs> and he, I don't know. It's a whole thing. Anyway, the, the thing is uh, you have to live a life worth commenting on. And who, who is this genuinely attributed to Pete Holmes? Okay. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he's talking about stand up and, and right. the authenticity necessary mm -hmm. to deliver stand up comedy in today's uh, entertainment yeah. saturated landscape because yeah. people are, their bullshit meters are just so oh, much more oh, tuned. Oh, absolutely. Which, here, you know what? I'm reading Our Magic right now. Yeah. And it's shamefully my first time reading it. But this that's book not is shameful. There, there's like a million magic books. We all would never have time. I mean, you know. That's true. Yeah. I'm shaming people that haven't read it is what I'm saying. Oh, I see. All right. <laughs> and I'm and I'm only now joining the the small league of people that have anyway, it doesn't matter. Um this book's a hundred years old mm -hmm. and there are jokes in it that I still hear magicians do. Yeah. And I wanna pull my hair out because there's just no there's no inspiration in that. It's like a hundred years later, unless you are ironically making a joke and also wearing a goddamn top hat. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Like just, and, and this the, uh, magic has lost its importance. It's been rendered trivial because no one has anything to say or well, no one has chosen something to say. Let me, let me rephrase. Yeah. Which is why I think it's so important what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. And I, and I jumping back half a step, I want to speak to your point about authenticity. Um, because I think that's so important. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, people can, I, I think you are so right, that people now, because 
because in general, everybody is exposed to so much more, especially as it in terms of entertainment and the arts and all of these things. I mean, you know, and and because we're more self-directed in it, mm-hmm. you know, where um, I was hearing something about um, just in the last week or two about like the history of TV and all of the stuff where it's like, oh, well, there used to be three channels, you yeah. know, and now it's like, oh, well, I only subscribe to yeah. Hulu and Everyone Netflix. Everyone is curating their own you know? experience. Right, exactly. But even within that, you know, it, it is this it is the spectrum of things that are, are done within a certain way. So yes, I think people um, can instantly tell when something is not authentic, when something is done for some sort of other motivation, like people can just tell. Um, And it, and it reads instantly, I think. And so, um, so it is hard, um, you know, I mean, it's like I, I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it, you know, it's one of those like stupid cliches that you always hear and then you're like, this is dumb. When people are like, just be yourself. Yeah. Um, but then you're like, oh, yeah, that's literally the only thing I can do. Yeah. Um, well. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, have it, and have it read okay. Yeah. Um, and... It's the only thing that's going to land anyway. Like, you know, um, I mean, I could sit here and try to be, you know, I I don't know. Um, You know, and and I know people who are where they're like, oh, well, I'm going to try to be this, you know, really, uh, you know, overly articulate, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like. That is so phony. Yeah. Like, just it's just gross. chat with me. Like, I don't know, you know. Yeah. And um, and and it's okay to have, you know. I mean, I certainly, and I'm. This is kind of my big one of my big projects right now is trying to figure out how to transition and balance between a very um. Oh, I I don't want to say casual, but like conversational um uh, approach to magic because that's that's what's comfortable for me and that's what um i have found over the last few years like resonates well with audiences for me personally Mm um uh versus the fact that you know yeah i i grew up as like a performer Mm -hmm. um i grew up as somebody you know with very um kind of formal type of things you know where it's like okay you had an idea of what a magician was right well and 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 you know having these ideas of like theater and in things like that where you're in this more like you know fourth wall performance mode and things like you know even kind of jumping back to our movement conversation like i i get asked often um you know if i'm a dancer which i'm not um honestly like my movement background is in martial arts but like it doesn't get more like tightly controlled than that and so it's like you know i i'm you know kind of coming coming from a place of like you know i did a lot of stage magic when i was young that Mm -hmm. was like very tightly choreographed and having you know you know coming out of martial and these things that are very performative you know and stuff and so but so like that is me and that feels natural to me mm-hmm. but then on the other hand there's this the the side of me and the side of my performance that's just like hey let's have a conversation about like this science fair project yeah. and like hey while we're talking about it 
grab a card for me and let's do this and write this thing down and and did you do this okay cool you know mm. and and trying you know that's a, one of the things i'm tr- i'm trying to figure out right now um is how to balance those two things without I don't want to say without being inauthentic because it's not because yeah. those are the two sides of my personality so they are both authentic sure. but um but trying to transition between them in a way that feels smooth yeah well I think um I think that's very important because of the preconceived notions that most people have about magic mm-hmm. they're defensive to magic performance right whereas conversational magic uh, people are much more open to. Right. And then also, I feel that me- most, many people empathetically understand your intention. Mm-hmm. And so, regardless of what it is you're doing or saying, it, it, it doesn't have to be perfect. But if they know you mean it, if it is authentic, then it's accepted and appreciated and reveled in, even... And sometimes even more so if it isn't perfect. Like my favorite things are watching um, a comedian try new material mm. because it's so vulnerable. Yeah. And it's so – there's like an electricity in the air when it goes well. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to a new riff or a new tag. And then you're kind of in this weird little sandbox with the performer who you paid money to see. You know that, like, this is a thing. But the the audience is more educated as to the process of it. Right. Um, And so it's kind of, it's like, I know what you're trying to do. I'm on board. We're here to support you. Mm -hmm. Whereas in magic, it's the opposite of that. Right. It's like, you're not going to get me. Right. Which I think is, again, a, a reason conversational magic is so important. Please. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, and I think that's a, um, you know, I think that is something that ties into that idea of, of authenticity and something that, you know, I've been really interested in too. And, and people ask me a lot, you know, people, of course, are so curious about magic and so curious about us as magicians and, and what we do. And and I feel like we all get so many questions about these type of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I think, um, um, you know, I think that's something that is very important, you know, where I, you know, um, I, I had this happen just, just yesterday or two days ago um, in a strolling performance with somebody being like, oh, you know, of course, the, the spectrum of, of the reactions we all got of, you know, yeah. of a, of a guy who was really lovely who was like oh well i'm i'm frustrated you know he he had some sentiment of exp- of expressing frustration and um and but he was very he was kind about it he just was kind of like oh my god i'm never going to figure this out i'm kind of frustrated you know mm-hmm. and um and i was like well you know and, and we just had just a very human conversation about it where i was like you know um a i personally don't want you to feel like frustrated like that's not that's not why I'm here um but I am here to like make your wheels spin in a different direction um and to make you think about things in a different way and I used to be very I used to personally be very frustrated when audience members would like be on that end of the spectrum where they'd be like I really need to figure this out or where people Mm -hmm. um would really be kind of trying to 
pick apart a method or something. Yeah. That used to just like upset me personally. And did now, it feel like a, a personal failure? Yeah, like I didn't do my job. Yeah, because like because they're it. trying to, they're they're seeing past the presentation. They're only interested in some sort of mm -hmm. technique, or maybe there was something in the technique that wasn't flawless. But now I, I don't know. Maybe a lot of it's just age or something. But you know, there is there is this spectrum of people where you know, um, and and I feel like. Thankfully, I see this certainly within my friends where I have some of my dearest friends who are not magicians are in the camp of I under no circumstance want to have any clue of how any of this works. And then I have people who inherently are very analytic people anyway, um, you know, or engineers or whatever, yeah, and, you yeah. know, who are like, who are like, wait, 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 wait. So, you know, and um, – and and of course most people are in the middle, but you know the the folks who are very analytic, um, you know now I I of course empathize with that personally, but I think there's, you know I now that doesn't frustrate me as much anymore, and mm. I feel like okay well, at least for me it's like if if a big part of what I'm trying to do is provoke thought in people in whatever way that that is relevant to them. Um, f for some people, that's going to be more emotional or it's going to be more in some sort of more intuitive sense or in an artistic sense. And then for the people where their brain is just wired to be very analytic, for them to try to pick apart something in an analytic way, which magic is does provide us with these really beautiful out-of-the-box modes of problem solving, yeah. for them to have that experience is so valid and so important and that's that and that's good and that's okay um and so now you know t talking to this guy yesterday i was just like hey you know um a i don't want you to feel like like frustrated upset but um but if we are able to share in an experience together that prompts you to think about how something could be done in a mechanical or psychological way that is perhaps outside of a normal spectrum, yeah. I have done my job. And I'm really happy about that. And I'm so um, – and and you seem like a really wonderful person. I'm so pleased that, that we got to meet. Yeah. I think that's great. Uh, you know, I, I just had a conversation with somebody about how do you answer the question, how do you do, how, how mm -hmm. do, you do that? Yeah. And I was like, anyone that says well, well yeah. is the worst. <laughs> and I was like, you shouldn't do that because it makes you seem like an asshole. <laughs> it's like if I was writing a character in a TV show who was a magician and I wanted everyone to hate it's him. It's Joe Bluth. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so – but I, I think a perfectly valid answer is when to how did you do that is, you know, a lot of practice or yeah. oh. hand in applied psychology. Yeah. Like, because people don't want you to teach them the method most of the time. Yeah. Every now and again. Every now and again. And you know what? If they want it bad enough, I'm not afraid of teaching them something, not mm -hmm. necessarily the method to sure. what I did, but you know. Yeah. We have plenty of quote unquote secrets. Yeah. We can give a couple away. Um, but, yeah, I think it's important that you engage with those people oh, and, oh in my a healthy God. way. Oh, absolutely. Like saying, because, you know, and, you know, one of the first things that you said was that you are educating the public. 
Well, and I think um, I think that's such an important part. I, I honestly think that's a really important part of our job. Oh, totally. Um, because people don't and can't understand mm-hmm. what goes into what we do. Yeah. So it's like, how do we speak to them about what we do in a way that is um, empathetic mm-hmm. and compassionate and does not trivialize what we do and does not trivialize them because we are here to engage with audiences in ways, at least for me, um, that are really important and I think deeply beautiful experiences that are on an equal playing field. Mm -hmm. We cannot exist without each other. I mean, I can't, I can sit in front of a mirror, like you were saying, you know, and and do magic all day long. But if I don't have a, you know, an enthusiastic um, audience, um, and and even that word is is really charged, but, um, you know, to to participate in that Mm -hmm. with me, this doesn't exist. None of this exists. So yeah. we we need to be in a dialogue with audiences about um, how we can all share in this together and what will make those engagements um, successful. Yeah. And um, and again, because people, you know, people are very different. What what audience members want out of magic is different. Yes. What people need out of magic is different. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the most beautiful things about what, you know, we are able to do as performers is, you know, you know, you never know what the person you're sitting across from in a magic performance what the rest of their day is like, what mm-hmm. the rest of their life is like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they may have just come in with, you know, just being so stressed out and so frustrated or having some, like, genuinely really bad circumstance. And for us to be able to share in a moment with them of something mm-hmm. that is either beautiful or wondrous or inspiring or something is fantastic and um you we know recontextualize their lives exactly well i think i think we can and we yeah, have the power yeah. to do that and um potentially and and i think being aware of that and aware that magic has the power to even for a moment do that and and to be aware again of the spectrum of people's experiences is really important because for somebody on that very analytic side mm-hmm. you know what may be the the most valuable to them genuinely i mean i mean i'm just being very frank is to look at something you know i mean for all for all I know, you know, because we never know who's in our audiences. And, and you know, it's that idea. I forgot who it was that said this. But something um, about the fact of, um, you know, some somebody was talking about the idea that, that magicians think that they're, like, the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And it's like, God knows, I've performed for people where you're just like, oh, my God, I'm, I can't believe <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, um I performed at a conference where um, it was, this was several years ago, where it was like the guy who's one of the original innovators of the touch screen was there. And I was like, oh my God, Um, you know, and, um, you know, so, so like 
looking at, at things like that, um, you go, okay, if you have somebody who's, who's terribly analytic, um, and, and I don't mean t- terribly, I meant that as a colloquialism, yes. but, um, you know, where they are working on some project where, you know, that is like seriously important, um, like real, like, you know, they are, they are a medical researcher trying to figure out, you know, exactly how to build some sort of new piece of technology or something. Yes. And, um, and then they happen to come to some performance of ours and, you know, the way that they see something in some either sleight of hand context or mechanical context that magic provides them um, where they went, wait a minute, this this was maybe I didn't see that there was maybe some secret compartment to this or there was whatever. And, oh, my God, maybe I can engineer this in a way where there where even though on the surface for us, it may seem rather frustrating, like, oh, God, this person was just being so analytic and maybe yeah. they were being kind of a jerk and whatever. Um, but that maybe, you know, magic yeah. as is just the way that it exists in terms yeah. of out-of-the-box solutions was yeah. able to trip some other mode of thinking for somebody else. Totally. Um, you know, I think being, you know, being sensitive to that, um, I think is great. And then on the other end of the spectrum, if you have somebody where they're just having like the worst day ever, yeah. and then, you know, we're able to, for a nanosecond, take them mentally out of that. Totally. Um you know, we're able to provide a really wide range of experiences for people. Um, and I think, you know, again, just being and aware. And one is not better than the other. No, they're all valid. They're all yes. important. And I think, um, you know, being able to understand that, you know, we are dealing with human people. Everybody is coming, walking in to seeing us mm. in a very different state. We are dealing with the you know, you, you, with a wide spectrum of everybody, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes we get, depending on who you perform for, of course, if it's like, okay, I do, you know, all college shows or whatever, at least your demographics might be a, a, a little tighter, um, but but still, like, the emotional and mental backgrounds of yeah. those people are could not be more diverse mm-hmm. um you know so so it is interesting so i think i think we um and i'll probably leave it on this um you know i think us as magicians and i really mean this um you know we have such a gift you know uh that we have this beautiful deeply beautiful tool to share and explore ideas with the public um and engage in meaningful dialogues with people. And because magic is very visceral, I think it allows us to connect with that wide spectrum Mm -hmm. of people in a pretty instant way. And I think as long as, you know, we are making these conscious choices on how we choose to use this really powerful tool that we all have been gifted with, that is a really incredible thing. Yeah. Well, this was wonderful. Thank um, you. Thank you I, for having me. Yes, of course. I, I wish we had more time. I know you have to go because there's a few things that I would love oh, well, to if, get to. Well, if you have one or two quick questions. They um, are not quick. Okay. But that's okay. I do, however, uh, have a final question that I ask. Uh, please. Which is, what is the time that you were just totally gobsmacked Fully astonished, felt like you got kicked in the head by a donkey. 
Oh, by magic. Yes. Um, or also not by magic, if you have a story of being that transcendently fooled by something that wasn't a conjuring trick. Yeah, um, I've, I've both. Um, Amazing. Uh, so... Uh, I think a big part of uh, kind of the, the two things coming together is um, right when I started to become very interested in a lot of things about um, perception, this is my non-magic story, um, which actually not a lot of people know, but um, so now, now, now it's out there. It's out there. Uh, is I, I will never forget, I was 15, I was standing in my parents' house, and I looked out of the window, and I saw this tree that, of course, I, I grew up in this house, I'd seen it every day, um, and I, like, honestly almost passed out, um, because I looked at it, and I just was like, like, I literally had this experience of all of a sudden, I just felt much more aware of all of the infinite number of processes that were unfolding around me uh-huh. in that moment. And it was this weird thing of feeling kind of terrified and deeply in awe because you go for a second, you go, I, this was on the second story of their house. And if nothing else, you go, oh my God. Like the fact that just from like physics an yeah. engineering standpoint, the fact that this house is standing and and the force that is being exerted against gravity and how those things are working in opposition to each yeah. other to hold Maintain up stasis. the floor. <laughs> yeah. And then the fact that my body is like a healthy young person, that I am able to stand in the way that my body is acting against the floor, that is pushing up against me, which is pushing down. Like yeah. that. And then I was like looking at this tree and going, oh my God, here's this thing that's been living for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was a really old tree. It was big. And, um, and all of the you know, organisms that are living, it was like all of a sudden just like the weight and like magnitude and gravity of going, there. there's literally an infinite number of things. Have you seen uh, The Last Jedi? No. Okay. Are you a Star Wars person at all? I have never seen any Star Wars. Okay. I'm going to take that part out. Yeah. But- <laughs> I know. I know. That makes everyone hate me instantly. It's, um, I know. <laughs> but there's a, ah, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Oh <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll I'll find it and watch it at some point. No, in my yeah, life. don't worry about it. Um, but that's but, incredible. But, but yeah, you, but there's but like, like a oneness to that. But yeah, and so I think that that honestly, um, and I haven't thought about that moment in a while. But um, you know, that was a lot. Honestly, that was a big motivating force, and like why I do what I do because I was so genuinely amazed. Mm-hmm. As you just are like whoa and like the sense of pure like unadulterated amazement and wonder and just like standing there looking outside like I wasn't doing anything (laughs) um and in theory you know and so then you know that that to me was so deeply powerful and has been really motivating in the idea of our simplest actions and non-actions that are Incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so then, so yes, that was a time where I felt literally like kicked in the head. I mean, I literally almost p- collapsed. I was wow. so. There's got to be like a Japanese word for that. 
there probably is. <laughs> yes, yeah, so of some but, sort yeah. of transcendence. Yeah, um, wow. and uh, and and this will sound um, very. Uh, I, I don't know. I hesitate to say pandery because um, he's in the building right now, but um, was seeing uh, Max Maven's show Thinking in Person. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 17, and I was absolutely speechless, um, which, as you can tell from this interview, does not happen often. Um, and I I mean, I remember – I saw it twice. I went once with my dad and once with my mom um, and because they're – schedules were kind of crazy that week and I remember I think the first night I went was with my dad and I remember it's like walking out and I remember walking like down these steps and out onto the sidewalk and and I I don't know if he was like saying like what did you think and I remember just like shaking my head and I couldn't even verbalize I was just like "Ah, ah, ah," you know and um and I was just being like ah you know and um that was a very powerful experience also of, you know, seeing something where, you know, and this is a question I get a lot from lay people is, you know, oh, well, do you see magic and do you always know how it works, you know? And and to me, I think a big part of it too is like talking about genuineness, right? It's like, it's like, well, sure. Like, you know, I, I'm not the type of person where I'm going to sit here and lie to you and be like, well, I know everything in the universe. Like, of course not. Yeah. Um, and uh, like you're talking about our magic. It's like I'm not 3,000 years old. I haven't yeah. had time to read every magic yeah, yeah, book yeah. in the world. Like, you know. And so um, so anyway, um yeah, and so, you know, so people are like, oh, have you seen magic where, you know, you just look at it and you you don't know how it works? And it's like, well, of course. And and people are like, oh, well, then do you want to know? And honestly, now, a lot of times the answer is no. Yeah. Where it's like, unless it's something I know I'm going to work on, mm-hmm. usually not. Yeah. Um, because I what was so important to me about that moment and seeing Max's show was I think right around that time, as a teenager, I'd been like so deeply studying a lot of magic that, and I felt like I kind of reached some different understanding of a lot of like magic principles or something where it's like, okay, you're a kid, you learn a lot of these basics and then you kind of learn a lot of other things and, and you're building on this knowledge base. And then I saw that and I just was like, I have no idea. And yeah. like having that moment, I hadn't had in a bit of time where I genuinely felt like how I felt when I was four, yeah. and I saw Siegfried and Roy, and I was like, "This is why I do what I do." Yeah. For that moment of just being like, ah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Very powerful. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jeanette. Thank fun. you. Thank you so much. This was a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for listening to Magical Thinking. If you enjoyed the show, head over to MagicalThinkingPodcast.com to hear more episodes and discover new ways to support the show. Check out ArtOfMagic.com to learn magic and cardistry, and visit ArtOfPlay.com for your playing card, board game, and whimsical interior decorating needs. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email me directly at me at ElliotTerrell.com. That's M-E at E-L-L-I-O-T-T. T-E-R-R-A-L dot com. And I'll be happy to respond to any questions or comments you may have. Before you forget, 
head into your podcast app and leave a rating and a review for Magical Thinking. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.